Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 43. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, uh, Jesus taught us to pray that prayer, and nowhere in that prayer does it say, Lord, please help me to kill a giant booner buck. Um, I don't know what Jesus was thinking. I was kind of hoping that he would specifically mention that whenever he taught us how to pray, but <laughs> uh, he did not. Uh, today, I just want to, for a few minutes, talk about this concept. It's something that maybe you have done, maybe I've done, but have you ever prayed that God would help you kill an animal, kill a deer, kill an elk, kill whatever it is that you're chasing? Um, I think there's different points of view on that, so I just kind of want to address that today and talk about it because it's something that our guest does, and the Lord grants the request. He kills a big buck, and he tells that story on today's episode. Um, you know, it, it is something that I have done many times, and I, I've prayed. First off, I usually pray, uh, just in general, God, keep me safe. Uh, let me make it hack back to my family safely. Let me get up and down this tree without any harm. Uh, that's kind of my primary prayer. Um, my second prayer usually is just allow me just to enjoy creation. That's what it's really about. Help me not to get so wrapped up in that moment that I'm anticipating or wanting, but um, and, and I think God is absolutely honoring of those kind of things to allow me to enjoy it, and so far he's allowed me to be safe. But that last one <laughs> that I sometimes pray, oh God, please, could you let me kill a buck? Could you let me kill a good deer? Could you let a deer step out right now? That one has been one that I've wrestled with. One, if I should even pray it. Two, if I did pray it and it didn't happen, does that mean that uh, I shouldn't be praying for that? You know, there's starving children across the world. Should I be praying for those things? Is there, does God have more important things to do? It's kind of like asking God to help your football team win. Does God really care? Um, you know, those are things that I think we kind of wrestle with. If you're like me, should you even, maybe you're not the praying type at all, so you don't worry about it. It just, it's just luck that that deer showed up. I, I tend to believe that every good gift comes from God. I've, I've said that verse on here before. So if I shoot a deer, I give God credit for that. If I don't shoot a deer, I, you know, do I give God credit for that? These are things that you kind of wrestle with trying to look at uh, what the Bible tells us. Um, so I'll say this, um, a couple of the stories that today you listen to, um, it, it kind of makes you question, you know, it, there's been people that I've heard that have prayed the prayer and all of a sudden, boom, the deer is there. And that happened to me two weeks ago. Um, I was up in the tree, I prayed for the opportunity and God gave it to me. Now I shot high and I injured this buck and I never found it. And I don't think it's dead. I think it's still alive. So what do I do in that scenario? God, should I have been more specific? <laughs> or is it more like if you've ever seen the red fern grows, God did his part. He provided the buck. I had to just, it was up to me to take the shot, you know. So there's a lot of things that kind of go into that. I do want to read another verse to you that I think is interesting. If you just look at John 15, 7, says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, there are some people today that that teach that, you know, if you just believe in God, you can become a millionaire, get out of debt, and not have any worries. And I, I don't buy that. I don't think that that's what that's saying. Um, but I think 
if you are trying to, you know, have an authentic relationship with the Lord and you get out there in the woods and you say, God, you know, help me be safe, help me to have a great time. And Lord, if it's your will, if it's something that would would bring you glory, if it's something that would feed my family um, and a deer steps out tonight, I just want to let you know, I'll give you praise for that. And if I get nothing, or if something comes out and I just mess it up, um, I'm still going to give you glory. I'm still going to praise you no matter what. That's how I have landed on this personally. I don't believe it's magical luck uh, just to say a prayer and, and a deer shows up. I think there's more that goes into it. God knows what we need in that moment. Sometimes you need a really terrible, rough season with a lot of mistakes, and the deer comes at the end of that season for you to really appreciate it. And so maybe that's what you need and so that's what God gives you. He answers the prayer, but he doesn't answer it right then. So those are all things for you to think about, consider. Whatever the case, um, I don't think we have a stingy God that's going to get mad at us for ever asking him for anything. Um, so I, I would never look at it and say, you know, he's just he's got better things to do. Now, the reality is because he's all-powerful and, and omniscient, he can take care of your needs in a tree stand and also at the same time take care of the needs of that starving kid in a different country. And he does that in a lot of different ways that we can't even comprehend. So I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Um, I'm just, I still wrestle with this. Like you can tell, I haven't maybe come to a 100% conclusion on it. So if you would leave a comment below, you know, maybe down on uh, the Facebook page or Instagram where I post this, um, you know, I'd love to hear kind of what your, uh, what's your practice with prayer and hunting? How does that relate? Do you relate them at all? You know, and uh, we can be respectful there so we can have different points of view on that. So anyway, today we're going to go ahead and jump into our episode. Uh, Before we do that, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. If you want to leave a review, subscribe, do all those things, greatly appreciate it. Uh, Today's guest, his name is Michael Smith. He has an excellent story and some great stories to tell you, and I think you're going to enjoy this one so here we go michael smith from kentucky hey michael how's it going man oh it's going good how you doing oh doing pretty good it's uh we're we're right smack in the middle of the rut here in ohio so it's it's hard for me to be in an office right now to be honest (laughs) oh maybe i I was out monday morning and i had uh three bucks of course i ain't got no buck tag but i had three bucks within shooting range so oh man nice (laughs) were they nice bucks Oh yeah, nice bucks. One one real real good eight point, probably eighteen twenty inches wide outside of his ears, chasing chasing a doe, wide oh, open. Well, after we get done with this, I'll have you give me your address, and I I might might get a Kentucky tag, come down, you can set me <laughs> up because I'm not I'm not having any luck in Ohio just yet. But it's it's been a matter of just trying to pick my hunts and get out there, you know, as much as I can. So hey, this this is on public land, so you're more than welcome to come down here. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you live in Kentucky. Um, you know, give give our listeners a little bit of idea who you are, what you do, and all that fun fun stuff. Oh, uh, well, I'm 40 years old. I live in uh, central Kentucky now. I just moved down here a couple months ago from eastern part of the state. Lived up there all my life and hunted up there all my life. Still do a lot of hunting up there. On coal company land, I've got, uh, I'm married with three kids, and I work at Toyota here in Georgetown. Um Spray the clear coat on the cars, so that's an interesting job. Keeps you busy. Yeah. This time, so, yeah, I got into hunting. I've pretty much been hunting all my life since I was nine or ten. I mean, that's what I seen growing up. You know, grandma or grandpa and dad, and all my uncles and stuff and cousins. That's how we got to spend time together. You know, dad and dad and them worked so much that if we wanted to spend time together, we that's what we did. You know, the fall. Deer hunting, squirrel hunting in the fall, and turkey hunting during the spring. So, we would take our vacations. 
you know, that time of year to spend time with each other. So that's basically mm. how I grew up into it. Absolutely. And those are great, you know, great memories looking back on spending time with family in the woods because it's just kind of, I don't know. I just remember for me, it was always a lot of fun that all I knew was gun hunting. So just that those first few days, uh, being able to be in the woods with my brother and my dad, that was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Just certain times of year stuff triggers you and brings back memories. You know, like this time of year, gun season, get ready to start this weekend in Kentucky. You know, I can just remember all the hunts from past. I mean, from my very first hunt to my last hunt, you know, yeah well michael um tell us a little bit about were you um when you guys when you started out were you using a gun did you use a bow what what's been your experience there i started out uh, we used mainly black powder and rifle but a couple years into it we got into bow hunting we really didn't know much about it but uh uh, mainly me and my brother developed a love for it and we tried to do as much as possible together you know now and uh just, uh, it was mainly rifle hunting starting out, though. I mean, it seems like uh, generally how it is anymore. Yeah. Do you remember your, your first uh, deer that you are able to get? Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember it like it was yesterday. It's uh, November the 15th of 94. It was an eight-point buck. I killed it. Um, I split up from my brother and my dad, and uh, I actually heard it eating acorns, and I didn't know what it was. It, I kept hearing something before daylight, and daylight came, and it was five or six does and the eight point standing there and I shot and they ran off over the hill. So I ran up to the top of the hill to look and that buck was still standing there. I'd missed him and I, he just stood there and let me shoot again and dropped him right there. So <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> still that's, got him that's, on the wall. Yeah, that is awesome. So your first one is a nice, nice eight point. That's sweet. So, uh, tell us a little bit about like, you know, as you kind of continue to go through hunting, what are some of the things that you remember, uh, you know, any stories kind of stand out to you? I know, uh, you sent me a story on emails, how we first got started talking about, uh, public land. Um, have you always done public land or has it kind of been hunting on private property? Majority of it is public. Well, what I call public is old strip job land. Okay. You know, Back in eastern Kentucky, it's pretty much all mining land that uh, the strip companies have moved out of. Western Pocahontas owns a lot of it. A few paper companies own some of the land. And uh, generally, unless it's leased up, you know, it's knowledge that anybody can go hunt it. So uh, that's what we grew up hunting on. Dad, he worked in surface mines all his life. And a lot of the jobs that, that we would hunt was jobs he was working on. So he would, you know, he would see the deer every day knew where they's at and their patterns and stuff and that's how we were pretty successful starting out uh just basically spend time out there he would work and watching the deer while he's working so yeah it works good <laughs> get, yeah. get get your scouting in while you're working you can't beat that <laughs> a few private land bucks but mostly most of those there's a lot of land in eastern kentucky it's just strip jobs you know just abandoned strip jobs that anybody can hunt so do you ever run into, um, for, for us growing up, you know, we hunted some public land, but most of it was private. Um, we were always, I always kind of grew up with a little bit of a fear of the private or hunting public land just cause there's so many, you know, there could be a lot of other hunters there, especially during gun season. Um, since you're so used to what, what's your experience been has it been mostly positive or have you had to like run into challenges or is it just so vast that you don't run into anybody at all? Um, there was one time I ran into this one guy. And he claimed to have had the land leased from the, the land company, which he didn't have it posted or anything. He was kind of a, you know, kind of a smart aleck, but 
you know, you just try to be the bigger person to walk away. But for the majority, um, I don't see anybody. I mean, mm. me and my brothers have hunted this spot that we that we've been hunting here. The I don't know, eight to ten years, and we've not seen we ain't seen anybody. You know, it's just <laughs> you don't even hear four wheelers or trucks, or it's just you're you got it all to yourself because there's majority of people in Eastern Kentucky come down this way to hunt because there's more deer. Yeah. You know, Eastern Kentucky being a zone four, which means buck only, you know, there's very few deer. Plus we've had blue tongue come through there within the last two years. It's come, within the last 10 years, it's come through there twice and it's, it's wiped a lot of them out. So, you know, majority of your people hunt elsewhere, but no, nah, we pretty much got it all to ourselves back there. Oh, that's awesome. And that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of what you want. I mean, being on public land, getting back in, and then you got this place that's kind of your own spot. That's, that's the beauty of public land, finding spots like that. It's, that's oh, yeah. awesome. And like this spot I hunt down here, it's, it's 2,500 acres, but if you're willing to put in the legwork and get away from the park a lot, you, you'll find nobody on the backside. I mean, that's where all the deer are right now. So, I mean, it's yeah. crazy how many deer's down here right now, just on that backside that nobody hunts. Yep. Yeah, I think that's the thing that you run into. It just seems like more and more you just don't have. There, there are a lot of people that are willing to dive in, but they just it. it you got to have a setup to be able to do that. You know, guys getting climbers. That's what I like. I hunt from a saddle, so being able to be lightweight and get back in is is what I really enjoy doing. So, but that's okay. not for everybody. No. So. Well, Michael, tell us a little bit about um, some of the successes that you've had. If you want to tell that story that you sent me, I would love to hear that again. I read it, and I, I, just incredible opportunity that you had on a big buck. So uh, give us some hunting stories here that you remember. Okay, uh, I'll tell you about the biggest buck here this year that I killed. it. I killed it on October the 19th, the uh, first day of early black powder season here in Kentucky. Uh, we had never got pictures of this buck. My brother had been running trail cameras here since June or July and uh gotten several other nice bucks several you know real mature shooters that, that we was hoping to tag but none of this and so we showed up that morning i was off work that friday night so got all my stuff ready and went up early saturday morning and we rode the forward to the top of the ridge he dropped me off at the spot and it's one of those mornings it was clear as a bell um no frost but there was no wind no you you know, no animals. It's, all you could hear was the rain in your ears. That's how quiet it was. It's kind of spooky in a way. Mm-hmm. And my air spot, we got a mineral lick that we've been maintaining for five or six years. Just every now and then we'll dump a salt block in it, you know. And uh, some reason those deer like to funnel between the top of the ridge and the mountains back there are like 13 to 1400 foot tall. So. The buck's like using the top half of the mountain. Mm-hmm. We find the first flat from the top is usually the ones we kill the bucks on. And that little pinch point there, it's no more than 50 yards wide. It, one side's a steep hollow that they don't want to go down, and the other side's the top of the ridge, so it just funnels them in their natural funnel. One side's got acorns, and one side's got bedding. So we kill a lot of bucks there, but I got set up around the ground. Uh, I was before daylight, about 30 minutes before daylight. And like I said, you couldn't hear nothing. So I knew there wasn't no deer around, you know. And probably 30 minutes after daylight, I heard some deer running from my left to my right. And it turned out to be a doe. She was just running, you know. I thought something had spooked her, a coyote after her or something, because she was running wide open, mouth hanging open. 
I figured it's too early for the ruts. So I didn't think about that. Are are you too using a, a muzzleloader here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. A CVA muzzleloader. She ran around the point to where the acorns are at, the acorn flat, and didn't hear nothing else for a while. Then about 15 minutes later, I seen her coming back from my right to my left, back toward the bedding, and she was running again. She had her mouth open, just run by me 15 yards, and I, then I heard something behind her, and I got to looking at it, and the first picture I, I had of this deer was him turning his rack sideways trying to get through the trees. So I knew there was something special about this deer. And I uh, knew he was big, so he come down to the salt lick and stopped. Gave me a 20, 25-yard shot. At the shot, I couldn't see nothing because there was no wind. It was just a cloud of black smoke in front of me. So I was trying to sit there, moving from one side to another to see if I could see that buck, see if I hit it. And when that smoke lifted, I could see him standing there, but he was hunched up in the middle. Mm. So, so I mean, I've hunted long enough to know what that means. You know, anybody that's hunted long knows you hit one in the gut or the liver if it's hunched up like that. So and he was just standing there, just uh, looking around like, you know, nothing was wrong. And then he started looking down the hill away from me. And I had my backpack to my side, so I know how to reload. All my stuff was in the bottom of my backpack, so... <laughs> You can imagine how nerve-wracking this was. The biggest buck of your life standing 25 yards away. Yeah. No, Knowing you have to put another shot in before something happens, you know, because if he runs off gut shots, you ain't going to get him, you know, more likely around here. Um, Too many coyotes and stuff. But mm. finally dug my, my powder and my power belts out and started loading my gun, dropped the powder in, and this deer's just standing standing here this entire time. He's standing there looking the other way, yeah. And <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I just just knowing at any second he was going to turn his head and look at me. So I dropped the powder down the barrel and got my power belt out, put it in the barrel, got my ball starter, bullet starter out, and uh, I got an old muzzleloader, so the first couple inches getting started is pretty rough. Well sitting on the ground like that i've never had a load like that and uh, i ended up breaking my uh, bullet starter and had like two or three inches of that bullet starter is all i had after i broke it so i put what i had down the barrel and i was leaning against the tree and i took my gun and hit the bullet starter against the tree and started my bullet that way so <laughs> all the time the deer was still looking the other way i mean and um got my ramrod out seated my bullet where I needed to finally got the cap on I was shaking shaking so bad I never do this on deer and uh he started walking towards me about the time I got the cap on he got he got within 10 to 15 yards looked up at me and looked down the other way looking down the hill so I don't know if he thought whatever hurt him was down the hill or what but so 15 yards there he was broadside I put one on the top of his shoulder and uh, touched it off, and he just rolled over, and that was it. Biggest <laughs> buck. That's yeah. awesome. How many? How 20, many points? Eleven points. Uh, wow. Twenty-two inches wide. Uh, he's got he's got three tines that's over thirteen inches long. I mean, mm -hmm. just a uh, heck Massive. of a deer. Heck yeah. of a deer. 
And we had no idea. I don't know where that deer come from. We've running cameras in that area for five or six years and never seen him. Mm. You know, he just showed up out of nowhere chasing that doe that morning. Uh, so what do you think, uh, is there anything that you can kind of put your finger on as what contributed just kind of being, just knowing that the pinch point is where you needed to be or what do you think happened there, Michael? Pinch point being number two, we knew, we knew how the deer used the area, you know, we've killed, I don't know, 10 bucks at that spot. I mean, same oh. general area, wow. but number one, no, number one, I give the credit to God, you know, and everything I do. I mean, we, I prayed for that buck. My wife prayed for a deer that morning. You know, most people think it's silly to pray for stuff like that, but I don't, you know, he said he will give you desires of your heart. And, uh, you know, I, I pray that God will bless me and my brother for a successful hunt that morning, keep us safe. And, uh, he did that, you know, it's, I give him the credit number one, first of all, and then just knowing the area, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And so your wife was praying for the same thing that day? <laughs> yeah i sent her a, t- uh, a picture of that buck and she just started laughing she's like i pray that you'd kill your biggest buck ever this morning and i, <laughs> I, was like, I just I, I just got chills when i heard that because i knew god answered the prayer at the end you know i was like wow yeah, oh, god man. is good yeah well i'm going i'm going hunting later tonight you might ask your wife to say an extra prayer for me uh we'll be kind of pray- <laughs> <laughs> No, that's oh, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, and uh, what's interesting about that is I've I've heard stories. There's a boy uh, that was goes to our church and young kid. Uh, I mean, he's I think he's a senior now, but a few years ago, I think he was a freshman, and he went out hunting just like behind his house. He owns like maybe two acres, and mm-hmm. he went out behind his house, and it was cold. And I think I don't know if he had hunted like hardly at all. And he said that prayer. He like closed his eyes, said, "God, help me to kill a buck. I want a buck to show up." And he opened up his eyes, and there's this giant eight-point just standing there. And he pulls up and shoots this thing. And I'm like, man, that that is a... So it's, it's a questionable thing for me. Not questionable, but you know, I know that God does those things. But there's also been guys that have prayed for it, and it hasn't happened. So how do you deal with that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, just having faith, you know, that, I don't know, just... He's done it in the past, and he'll do it again, you know, I mean... My mom's a prime example. She hunts. She loves to hunt. She does a lot of it on her own. And she can go to a spot. I mean, me and my brother talked about their day. But there is no deer sign. There is no turkey sign. But she'll call you. Hey, I got a buck and I got a turkey down. You know, come help me. It's like, she, <laughs> I don't know. She's, she's, uh, she's her and her dad, her and my dad. I mean, that's, I was raised in church and, you know, they taught me faith and taught me the love of God. And, and uh, I'm thankful for that about everything else. Absolutely. No, that's, I think that's really interesting. I, I think, um, the, the, so I, I experienced this actually recently on another hunt as well. I was out and I, I shot <laughs> this uh, buck came out about two weeks ago and right before he came out, I remember being in the tree and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pray. And I don't want to do this as like just a good luck kind of thing. I want to pray just God, if I get something tonight, that'd be awesome. If you want to allow something to step out, then do it. Um, and lo and behold, five minutes later, this, this big, uh, 10 point steps out. What I should have asked though, is God help me to make a better shot because that he did not do. <laughs> <laughs> the buck came out and I ended up shooting this deer high and, you know, so many, even on those situations, I think you, you learn you learn from it and it's frustrating, but you know, that's, that's really cool. So yeah, those tough shots that you pull us, everybody does it. 
no matter how long you hunt. I mean, it happens, you know, turkeys, deer, whatever. It's just, it just, uh, it takes a while to get over those uh, misses and losses and, you yeah. know, it makes you think what you could do next time. Yeah. So how's, how's the rest of your season going? Are you able to go back in and go after does or are you just kind of enjoying uh, watching other people, you know, try and get it done online? How, how's your, the rest <clears throat> of it been for you? Well, in Kentucky, you're, you know, you, your statewide deer permit gives you one buck tag and three antlerless tags. So I've got three antlerless tags. And I went out Monday morning in uh, the public land up here in Scott County. And I had three shooter bucks within 20 yards, you know, by 930 that morning. But no does. So that's how it works when you ain't got a buck tag. But but they're wide open up here chasing does and grunting and snort wheezing everywhere. It's, it's crazy up here right now. Yeah, it's it's warming up here. It's kind of uh, we've had some cold fronts, and those came in in October, and those were nice. And then uh, now it's really starting to pick up. So well, that's awesome, Michael. Well, um, you know, I think we got time. I don't know. You have any other stories up your sleeve? That was a great one and a really nice buck. I'm sure uh, guys have already seen the picture online. I'm going to post it by the time they listen to this. But any cool. other stories come to mind whenever you just think back about uh, you know some of the, the hunts that you've had? Um. Probably my first turkey. Oh, okay, tell us that one. First turkey I ever killed was in the April of uh, 94 also. Um, went out with my dad. We had, uh, me and my brother had scouted this spot. A couple weeks prior, we heard one gobble. And uh, that's all we'd heard that spring, one gobbler. And back then in Kentucky, eastern Kentucky especially, there wasn't very many birds. So me and dad went out that morning and... Uh, Went to the spot where me and my brother had heard that gobble a couple of weeks ago. And we hunted two or three hours without hearing nothing. I mean, you know, not even the hen sounded off anywhere. Just working down this hollow, down this old logging road, just calling every so often. And uh, we got down to about midways of the mountain. And uh, Dad let out a call, and the bird gobbled on the next ridge. He's probably six seven hundred yards up on top of the next ridge down a holler up, up the top so dad's like i think we can call it bird and i didn't i didn't know nothing about hunting enough to know if we could or not but now i think about it it's like that's pretty much impossible to do call a bird down a mountain and up your side of the mountain and yeah. I, was like, I just followed along with him because i didn't know you know i was just 14 years old so we set up every time we'd call an old uh lynch box call that that bird will gobble every time and just after hour or so he finally broke heard him going down his side every time he gobbled we just tracked him every time and we heard him fly across the branch started up our side and for long i could hear him walking in the leaves and uh dad was in front of me laying down and i had the gun laid over over his hip an old single shot winchester 16 gauge and uh I seen that bird's red head pop up finally. He comes through there strutting. And uh, I wasn't real sure about taking a shot. It was a little bit far. I think it's around 40 yards. And uh, I let the bird walk around the point. And I told Dad what had happened. So he took the call, called a couple more times, and the bird come in about 25 yards and touched the shot off. And the uh, bird went flopping. So that's, that's one of my best memories early on growing up. It's me and my wow. dad out and first bird and that's the only bird we heard the whole spring so <laughs> <laughs> you got the only one wow 
that is incredible that he was able to call that thing from that distance. That is, I mean, just to call one from 600 yards, but then clear across a ravine, that is incredibly hard to do. So that's, that's impressive. Yeah. I can't figure out, you know, unless they, uh, I assume they wouldn't very many hens either. So that bird was obviously wanting to get with a hen pretty bad. So. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, Michael, thanks so much for coming on, telling your stories, and uh, I really appreciate that. I really, I, I appreciate you emailing me, sending me that picture, of that buck, and the story is just awesome. And so, uh, I hope the rest of your season goes well too. Yeah, I hope you, uh, hope you tag out also. How many, how many deer are you allowed in Ohio? Uh, technically, you can do six. I think is what the max is. One buck, and then the rest you can do basically three deer in a county. So you'd have to split uh, the other three into another county. So right now I've killed one uh, one doe in uh, uh, Washington County where I'm at. So going to try. I'm I'm kind of passing on does right now, especially during the rut. I'm really last year um, I hunted. It was 14 hunts before I killed my doe, and I killed her on November the 9th. So I was I was shooting a doe during the rut, and she had bucks behind her. So this year I was like, I really don't want to do that. Uh, <laughs> so it's not a wise thing to do. So um, so anyhow, I'm kind of targeting uh, bucks over the next couple of weeks, and then I might go for a doe later on. And, and that's that's really uh, you know I, I usually give one of the deer away, and then the rest I'll kind of harvest, you know, do my own thing with. And and so I don't don't really need five or six, but that's kind of the way I do it. Okay. Well, good luck to you, too. I hope you tag out. All right, man. Well, thanks thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and hope you have a great day. All right, you, too. Bye. Bye. And there you go. Another good story uh, from another great guest. Super nice guy. Enjoyed talking to Michael, and I hope that you enjoyed that as well. Uh, Michael reached out to me through the email and um, you know sent me a message about his experience and shared the story, and I asked him if he wanted to come on. And I bet you you have some stories as well, um, maybe even from this season already. So if you want to send me an email, send it to sheddinglightod at gmail.com. And uh, also check out our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Shedding Light Outdoors. We've got videos up that we're posting every couple of weeks and just kind of updating you as you go. Uh, Instagram, we're pretty active on the little stories. I don't know if you've checked those out. I, uh, you know, it's been kind of popular, um, but you might not be familiar. Uh, if you're on Instagram or on Facebook, there's those little things right at the top of the page, a little round circle that is a story. And if you click on our Shedding Light Outdoors, it'll kind of update you on some of the hunts as we go on them. And so uh, I'm dropping this on on Thursday, November the 7th. So uh, I plan to be in the woods Friday and Saturday most of the day. So we'll try and update as I go. But <laughs> honestly, I'm going to try and stay off my phone and focus for deer. So anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Hope that you enjoyed it. And remember to shed the light.